When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who have survived the Disney princess industrial complex. I'm Hannah Leach, a writer, musician, audio producer, and (laughs) former casual Disney bounder. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and oyster enthusiast. We are the sister duo, also known as Two Fang Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2010's Tangled. See that handsome fellow running for his life? That is me. They just can't get my nose right. And that tower? Well, in that tower, there lived a girl who was just waiting for her life to begin. We really hit it off. How you doing? Gentleman that I am, I decided to help her. I'm prepared to offer you a deal. She could not resist me. I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice. Here comes the smolder. You coming, Blondie? And before we knew it, we began to uncover some secrets. I have to know what they are. I mean, this is serious stuff that just might turn this kingdom upside down. Hello, everybody. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I just realized I kind of am giving like Dorothy Gale, but that wasn't the intention. Oh, yeah, that was not the goal, but it looks cute. I normally am the one that gets the ball rolling, but I was just going to see if you would do it if I didn't do it. I'm just too brain dead to do it. (laughs) I can tell. I was so brain dead on Sunday at the School of Rock shows. On Sunday, both of my School of Rock shows had their final performance, and I was so hungover, like so hungover. I walked in and like three teenage girls were all asking me questions that had like life or death stakes to them all at once. And I was just like, listen, (laughs) you guys got to slow down. Like, I don't even know how to respond to any of this. Um, But yeah, I get it. Sometimes you just got to put on the razzle dazzle even when you're not all the way there. Why were you hungover? I was hungover because I went out with <laughs> I went out with friends the night before and didn't even well, I guess I drank a lot, but I wasn't like wasted or anything. It was just a mixing situation. But the interesting thing get you. is that I went to um I went to like a Dolly Parton themed like dance party, which I I have really conflicting feelings about these sort of events because they're very much like cash grabs for like everyone involved like the venues and the the DJs and stuff and like I think it's just good to support venues and people that put on shows like that but at the same time it just feels it's kind of embarrassing to be there I know yeah we've talked about this before a little bit why because it feels like there's nothing naturalistic about being there it's like you saw this ad on instagram you decided to go follow the link you know a lot of them are instagram ads at least the ones i get you followed the link you bought a ticket you're there it feels like being at like a target dance party like it feels like being at like (laughs) Yes. It's like just the the most generic version of like a shared cultural music experience. It's like it's like it could have just been a playlist. Yeah, like 
that you I could have just stayed home and done a better job probably like I could have just I will say something that was really interesting about it was that the crowd was really specific it was like all white women for the most part um which is not surprising but it was like lesbians fat women a drag queen six gays and then like my group of friends. And it kind of had like Nashville bachelorette party flavor to it as well. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going to a couple more places after that. But it it was cute. I mean, it ha- was cute. It, you know what that kind of reminds me of is like the actual culture of bisexual girls who go to Harry Styles concerts. Like... Oh, we're treading on thin ice with that, but I have opinions. Please continue. Controversial yet brave. Like they like lost their identity to this epidemic and it's crazy. Like they all have on like green swirly pants and like cowboy hats and like feather boas and cowboy boots. You're not saying anything that isn't 100% factual. So I don't think anyone could get mad. This is my hot take on this. And then we're going to have to move on because we're literally going to piss off everyone in the world. But like, to me, it's like ultimate cringe to me to like, watch Harry Styles posture as queer for then bisexual girls who are primarily dating men. There's just so many layers to it. It feels very of our generation and of the now that like the dreamboat boy is like kind of fruity and like all of the girls are kind of fruity too. Time for a question for the culture, even though I feel like that was just a question for the culture, but I still want to do one. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. Yay or nay Disney World proposals, since we're talking about a Disney movie. Yeah, have you ever seen the TikToks uh, or videos in general of when people will try to propose in front of the castle and literally the guy will be like down on a knee and a staff member will see a cast member, I mean, will... See that? See it happening, and then run over and stop it. Like they literally will stop the proposal from happening. Isn't that crazy? Are you serious? I am serious. Technically, I have been proposed to in Disney World, which I feel like we've talked about before on the show, which is that I was prom-posed to in Disney World, which is crazy because that doesn't even feel like it was real life. No. Like that whole chunk of time. It was a senior year of high school. And it was by Nick, who's like my dear friend, but he's like extremely homosexual. But I was like in love with him all of high school. It was just so much. There was just a lot happening in that situation. But I still have the pillow that Nick Nick bought a Cinderella castle postcard. And then on the back of it wrote, will you be my princess at the prom? That is so nasty. And then put it on this pillow. (laughs) I know. And then he put on this pillow and then he got down on one knee and fucking asked me that and I still have the pillow though because it's a really convenient shape it's like very rectangular and it's made of canvas (laughs) if that happened to me now for a real proposal I would hate that I would hate that so much yeah, I was there for that, but, like, I think I just blacked out. Like, I, I, I feel like you blacked out, but, like, everyone else was just, like, dot, 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 question mark. Like, no, I remember I remember so specifically, because we have the fucking receipts yes. and we will put them on the Instagram, probably. But basically, I remember as the pictures were being taken, I was like, I hate how happy I must look in these pictures because this is so over the top. Yeah. And this is like so much. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's also so surprising and so funny that I'm kind of laughing my ass off. But in these pictures, I look, I literally look like I'm being actually proposed to. I look so happy. Honestly, you look happier than most people when they're actually being proposed to. I know. I know. Uh, It's honestly, it was a dark. take notes. It was a a great moment and a dark moment at the same time. So shout out to 2013. Wow, almost 10 years ago. Okay, let's get into the Disney magic. Are you ready? Yep. Tangled was released on November 24th, 2010. It was rated PG, and it was the first uh, Disney princess movie to ever be rated PG. It was directed by two men, 
Wee woo, wee woo. Um, Nathan Greno and Byron Howard. Nathan was either a director or a co-director on Tangled, Tangled Ever After, Tangled Sing Along, and Super Rhino, as well as being a story artist for Frozen, Meet the Robinsons, Chicken Little, and Brother Bear. And he was also the head of story for Bolt. And then we have Byron Howard, who was the director of Zootopia, Bolt, Encanto, and co-director of Tangled Sing Along, let's not forget. And it was written by, obviously, the Brothers Grimm were the originators of the fairy tale, but the screenplay was written by Dan Fogelman, who is the creator of This Is Us, and also wrote the screenplays for Life Itself, Tangled, Cars, Crazy Stupid Love, Cars 2, Bolt, and Fred Claus. So the Bolt Squad is fully on deck here, which is funny to me. (laughs) All right, synopses. Here's the IMDb one. The magically long-haired Rapunzel has spent her entire life in a tower, but now that a runaway thief has stumbled upon her, she is about to discover the world for the first time and who she really is. Letterboxd. When the kingdom's most wanted and most charming bandit, Flynn Rider, hides out in a mysterious tower, he's taken hostage by Rapunzel, a beautiful and feisty tower-bound teen with 70 feet of magical golden hair. Flynn's curious captor. What is with them in the alliterations? Flynn's curious captor who's looking for her ticket out of the tower where she's been locked away for years strikes a deal with the handsome thief and the unlikely duo sets off on an action-packed escapade complete with a super cop horse <laughs> an overprotective chameleon and a gruff gang of pub thugs. Okay, finally, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. When the kingdom's most wanted bandit, Flynn Rider, hides in a convenient tower, he immediately becomes a mm-hmm. captive of Rapunzel, the spire's longtime resident. Crowned with 70 feet of magical golden hair, she has been locked away for years and desperately wants freedom. The feisty teenager strikes a deal with Flynn, and together they begin a whirlwind adventure. How do we all know that it's 70 feet? They never say that. But I guess because it's in the Disney Plus description, everyone is taking that as canon. Yeah, I mean, maybe they sent out a pamphlet. I don't know. (laughs) They were like, these are the talking points. Thank you so much. Um, And as for the whole teenager thing, they like barely talk about that. So I think it's weird that they keep being like, Tough teen Rapunzel. I mean, it just feels. You weird know, she. To me. I actually have points about this. Yeah, for later. The tagline. Okay, we'll there's two. One is they're taking adventure to new lengths, and the second one is <laughs> get tangled up. Underwhelming. Okay, so I only included three people in the cast because honestly, there's only three like characters that speak that are all that important. So first of all, we have Mandy Moore as Rapunzel. She is best known for A Walk to Remember, Tangled, Chasing Liberty, and Saved. But obviously she's uh, Lana in Princess Diaries. And she's also a main character in This Is Us. And before she was an actor, of course, she was pop star Mandy Moore. Next, we have Zachary Levi as Flynn Rider, best known for Shazam, Chuck, and Thor The Dark World. Also a known anti-vaxxer, it turns out. I did not know that, but right before this, I was in therapy and uh, my therapist told me that he is a known anti-vaxxer. And they also are the one who told me about uh, Lou Alcott in Little Women. So they've brought some important context to this podcast. So shout out to them. And then just like a little fun fact I thought was interesting. The character design of Flynn came from the process called the quote unquote hot man meeting by the two directors during which they set up a meeting with all of the female employees of the studio in one room and asked them for their opinions on what made a man good looking in order to create Flynn's character design with features such as eye color, hair color, style, and body type. Video footage showed concept art and photos of various male celebrities, including Johnny Depp, Hugh Jackman, Brad Pitt, David Beckham, and Gene Kelly on the walls of the room. 
It's really interesting. We should find the video and play some audio in here. Weird thing on top of it is that like they showed parts of the meeting and then the directors were like, yeah, that meeting was hard to go to because they were talking about things that they didn't find attractive and like we had some of those things. We were trying to get the look down and so one of the things that we did was um, we brought a lot of the females in from around the building to, we wanted this guy to be really, really handsome and so we put up photos all over the walls of, of the most handsome leading men in all of Hollywood history and sort of picked out their which features would uh, sort of work best. We just listened to let the, let the girls have at it. And, and so in the end, we kind of put all this stuff together. And so he's this, he's this incredibly um, handsome fella. Yeah, they were very opinionated. They let us know what they liked and what they didn't. Yes. <laughs> and then lastly, Donna Murphy as Mother Gothel best known for Star Trek Insurrection, The Gilded Age, and The Nanny Diaries. And she does a great job in this movie. The budget for Tangled was $260 million. Tangled spent six years in production at a cost that has been estimated at $260 million, which, if accurate, would make it the most expensive animated film ever made and one of the most expensive films of all time. It's now tied with the 2019 Lion King. It made 48,767,052 opening weekend and the worldwide gross is 592,461,732. Critic and audience opinions on Tangled. The critic score was 89% and the critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is... While far from Disney's greatest film, Tangled is a visually stunning, thoroughly entertaining addition to the studio's classic animated canon. And here are some critic opinions. The Hollywood Reporter said this. It would have been nice if Disney's self-touted 50th animated feature were one of its best, a film that could stand with the studio's classics, but the world will have to make do with Tangled, a passably entertaining hodgepodge of old and new animation techniques, mixed sensibilities, and hedged commercial calculations. Damn. Next one. The rest of these are from Rotten Tomatoes. This snappy role reversal may or may not appeal to young men, but it inspires some classic knockabout screwball comedy and an exciting vertiginous escape sequence. Whoa, vertiginous. <laughs> That's a new one. Rapunzel gets a very ordinary updating in this Disney picture, rating duller moments from the Shrek movies for ideas and sporting a labored selection of Broadway-style show tunes. The Shrek influence was strong in this one, in my opinion. And then lastly, these are timeless themes. Domineering parent, sheltered child, dangerous boyfriend, all woven together nicely by a crew of filmmakers from the Disney Pixar trenches. Okay, Common Sense Media says that Tangled is good for ages five and up. <laughs> Families can talk about the message in Tangled that it's never too late to realize a dream, whether it's seeing lanterns or becoming a pianist. Do you have any someday dreams? How is Rapunzel similar to and different from other Disney princesses? Is she the typical damsel in distress? How does she show the traits of courage, curiosity, and empathy over the course of the movie? Kids, what made you want to see this movie, the story, or all the <laughs> ads and product tie-ins? Do you want a product because the movie characters are pictured on it? Okay, can they stop with this? Like, let them I know, want they're really... Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think mother loved Rapunzel or was she just using her? What about Rapunzel's feelings for mother? That's a question that I'm actually... I'm actually kind of curious about that one. Yeah. Continue. Why did Rapunzel think Flynn wouldn't love her if she didn't have her magical blonde hair anymore? <laughs> oh, I wonder why. How do the characters <laughs> in Tangled demonstrate gratitude, integrity, and self-control? Why are these important character strengths? I feel like we could literally, like, get into it on all of those questions. Yeah. Common Sense Media has the good questions, honestly. And now, audience score and letterbox average star rating. The audience score was 87%, and the letterbox average star rating, I'm hearing myself say letterbox really hard, letterboxed rating is 3.9 stars. Here are the audience opinions. Here's one big-ass opinion that I got to read. 
Loving Tangled at this point is a defining character trait for me. So many school projects I've included or focused on Tangled in, I've talked and gone insane about it extensively over the years, and just, God, I love it. Rapunzel and Eugene, his name is Eugene. Anyone calling him Flynn Rider is on thin ice like a crack with my skull. Have such a beautiful story, showing us how powerful, genuine, and real human connection can be by sacrificing themselves for each other, being so willing and honestly desperate to do so in order to save the other. After knowing each other for just a few days, like in the meaning you were my new dream has for the both of them, especially Eugene IMO. They're just so perfect. They're just so good. Truly a God to your ship when you really, really understand them. No one gets them like I do joke. Once more, I have info dumped instead of giving a proper review, but I'm so right and correct that I'm just leaving it like this. So go new dream. God, even their ship name is good. I love you five ever new dream. The next one. I enjoyed the silly chameleon. And then the last one, this is frozen, but better. I agree with that assessment personally. Cultural context, if applicable. So we're going to end up talking about this a decent amount. The whole boy movie, girl movie hedging of this. And obviously like gender is involved. So that's just going to be part of the conversation. There was a lot of controversy around the name of the movie. So I'm just going to read you guys some stuff that I found online about this situation. So on Rotten Tomatoes, I read this. Disney's previous animated feature, The Princess and the Frog, despite being popular with critics and audiences alike, was a box office disappointment. Disney felt that the film's princess theme discouraged young boys from seeing it. In an attempt to market the film to a broader audience, Disney changed the title of the film from Rapunzel to Tangled and promoted it as a comedic adventure. An early trailer for the film focused less on Princess Rapunzel and more on Flynn Rider, the male lead character. It was originally believed that Disney's marketing campaign was a desperate attempt to search for a particular audience. However, the directors claim that the title change was to emphasize that Flynn has as much of a role in the film as Rapunzel. Disney was criticized for altering the title as a marketing strategy. Floyd Norman, a former Disney and Pixar animator and story artist, said, The idea of changing the title of a classic like Rapunzel to Tangled is beyond stupid. I'm convinced they'll gain nothing from this except the public seeing Disney as desperately trying to find an audience. And then Justin Chang of Variety compared this move to changing the title of The Little Mermaid to beached. He said, can you imagine if Disney switched a movie title so it wouldn't risk highlighting a male star? It's awful that this kind of radical gender discrimination exists for our smallest people. Little kids who come into this world with huge imaginations and aspirations, big dreams that get squashed by a bunch of billionaire guys who run massive entertainment franchises. Gender discrimination may have been a bit of a reach, but I get what he's saying. The fact that they took this strategy, this whole adjective thing, and they used it for Tangled yeah. and they ran with it and they keep using it. Like they, they've used it for Frozen, like same shit. Like they mm-hmm. are so afraid of boys not wanting to see a movie that they will literally change. Like they, they will deliberately name the movie in an attempt to neutralize to un- make sure the film is not perceived as feminine, which in itself is fucked up. That, that is fucked up. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. nobody's concerned about excluding young girls when they make G.I. Joe. You know what I mean? Nobody's mm-hmm. concerned about that. <laughs> um, or like cars. Exactly. All the other princess movies did really well and like boys saw those. I think maybe with earlier Disney cartoons there was just like more novelty associated with them not not by like the 90s mm-hmm. but like in the early days sleeping beauty snow white it was like um it was like this is an animated feature like that alone was enough to get yeah anybody to go and then it became more yeah. of a hard sell because misogyny was I don't know I don't know Uh, well it would be more of a hard sell because like they couldn't just bring people in on the basis of this is a new art form because it was like not as impressive anymore as it once Mm -hmm. had been but I don't know this is kind of why I think like the Shrek influence is there because Shrek appealed to boys and girls and it really was like a reset for the fantasy genre a bit. So that might have something to do with it. But I hate the adjective thing. It's like, can we just have a princess movie? Yeah. Like, why? Why? 
And I hate that they scapegoat Princess and the Frog as the one that like changed it, you know, because that movie is so good. And but then it's not because they force her to be a frog for like 75% of it, which did suck. But the visual style of it, the original songs, like it was good. I liked it. I don't know. (laughs) It's so fucked up how it has this like immaculate vibe for the first 20 minutes. And then it just becomes like talking animal movie. (sighs) Okay. So I remember when we first saw this. Do you? Was it Florida? It was in Florida. Mm -hmm. It was like winter break. We used to always go to Florida and there would always be like one day where our parents would go see a movie and Audrey and I would go see a movie and we definitely saw Tangled on one of the trips. We also saw a diary of a wimpy kid on one of those trips and frozen on one of those trips in different years. I remember we saw in the theater. It was great. It was cute. I was really into Tangled. I don't know. I was really into, I mean, you guys know I was a princess girl (laughs) and I kind of was all through high school, but like for some reason I wasn't ostracized for it. I don't really understand how (laughs) or why, but that's the truth. The Disney lunchbox, you had the dolls in your room, like lined up. I do have all the dolls. Mm -hmm. I think people just didn't, I mean, we were already in show choir in theater, like, (laughs) like, whoa, there was no like ostracizing to be had. I don't know. I think it just fit into your personality. I dressed up as Rapunzel for a Halloween party. I have a picture of me Frick, from the same day I was promposed to standing with Rapunzel in Disney World, like taking a picture with her. And I remember this is coming back to the dieting thing because my whole senior year was dieting. I remember, this is so fucked up. I've never said this out loud. I remember looking at the picture of me next to her and being like, oh my God, like I'm skinnier than someone playing a Uh, Disney princess (laughs) in Disney World. There are layers to that. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to that. Every, like, girl and gay typically goes through some phase in their life where they're, they find themselves Googling the height and or feature requirements to play a certain yes. role in Disney World. <laughs> like... You're absolutely right. And every girl and gay finds themselves watching like a Disney college program review video. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I still watch those. uh, They're so interesting. I was going to say, they'll they'll always be like, it's really hard because they make you not have a car and then they, you have to drive to and from campus in the trams. Like they're always talking about like some really difficult transportation issue and that they have to like get there at like 4am and it's, they're just like miserable, but then they'll be like, but you can go to the park for free, whatever you want. Oh my God. That sounds horrible. We have a listener, Maggie, who may or may not still work there. Maggie. And we also slide into our DMs. We also have a friend who is friends with Flynn Ryder. <laughs> we have a friend from high school who is currently friends with Flynn if Ryder that makes in Disney World. Sense. Do you have any other tangled memories, Audrey? I, I I don't. I liked the movie though. And yeah. the hair animation just ha- had me floored, you know? Like, I feel like that was my favorite. That was like my big takeaway and like the reason I would rewatch it. Like, it's just very visually mesmerizing. Yes, I totally agree. Especially after watching it again. I really, really agree. Oh, I also had a Tangled poster in my room in high school. And I have a video with it in the background that I'm going to try to find and send to you as well. But of course, it's a video of me in this it's just like a, it's a, another fucking like, I am so skinny-esque thing. The illness was on a rampage <laughs> at the time. It's fine. You can watch this movie on Disney Plus. BRB. Go watch it. BRB. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. 
I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. Okay, everybody, we are back and it is time to talk about what our experience was rewatching Tangled. Um, and I don't think I had seen this movie in like 10 years. Yeah, it had been a long time for me too. Um, but it, yeah. I definitely still felt like I knew it all well. Much about it. I could remember parts of it, but I couldn't remember like why there was a warrant out for Flynn's arrest. Like there were details that I could not recall. Yeah. You know what I really was getting from this watch was like severe into the woods vibes. And I mean, that is partially because, yeah. yes, it is literally Rapunzel and these characters are in Into the Woods. So like it is the same in that way. Yes. But just like the fact that this entire movie and the stakes are completely surrounding emotions. There is not really, mm -hmm. like, it's not some dumb shit about, like, I don't know. I just can appreciate that, like, the entire, it's very plot-driven and it's very emotion-driven. Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole thing takes place in the forest, basically. Like, it, yeah. there's just, yeah, it's simple. Like, it's, it's actually, like, a simple story. They're not overcomplicating it. There's also no unnecessary characters, which I love. Yeah. It just feels like they knew what they're, they knew exactly what emotional core they're getting at here and they are going to get yeah. at it. And it's not going to be confusing. Two things. Right off the bat, I just want to say that I actually really consistently bought the chemistry between Flynn and Rapunzel, especially the little fire fireside scene when she like heals his hand. Yeah. It felt very believable to me. Is is she not like is, 13? No. <laughs> she's 18. Right, right. Because remember she's like 18 years. Yeah, yeah. She's she's legal. There, yeah. That I I was watching this with my friend and he was like, they're really, they're really like berating the point that she is like almost legal like they're really like letting you know yeah because he looks yes. 35 to me like he and then we looked it up he's 26 <laughs> I know I saw that too but then I was like where are they getting that from yeah like where is the canonical explanation but at least she's not 15 because that's how old Sleeping Beauty is I don't know. Flynn Rider just gives me 30s, though. Like, I just feel that he's in his 30s. And I'm like, maybe he should yes. stay away from her. Like, maybe just keep this one platonic. <laughs> <laughs> he's lived a little too much life to be interested in dating an 18-year-old. Who spent agree. her entire life in a fucking tower and knows nothing like because yes because you just forget because like obviously you're supposed to but the the levels of deep deep trauma that Rapunzel has been through she actually yeah I mean it's crazy when you think about what she's actually like if this was shown in a more um like grounded light I guess the shit <laughs> is crazy what they're going through and like he's like this yeah dude who's like old and like invades her space she like fucking assaults him with a pan and then like is like pushing his dead body into the fucking armoire yeah. <laughs> it, I was really struck by that part too I was like this is really violent yeah it's like she is dealing with a dead body right there now. were so many Period. moments where I was like this is dark actually this is pretty dark Going back to the Into the Woods thing, the the rep the reprise of Mother Knows Best what is I'm, literally just the last midnight. Exactly. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. What yeah. she's wearing, yes. like the environment, this like smoky forest 
dusk moment. Like, it's just very last midnight. How do you feel about him? I know we said that he's giving 30s and whatever, but, like, the whole inclusion of, like, the action sequences and, like, the boy stuff. Like, his character does not exist in Reg Rapunzel, like, the OG story. Like, there is no, no. there is no thief. Like, he's a completely created character to serve this purpose. To be her romantic interest, but also to provide that boyish vibe for the movie, I guess. Um, A classically boyish character. Actually, it kind of reminds me of when we were talking about Ken and how we were talking about how, like, no one ever asked little boys to care about Ken, like, ever. And Flynn Rider is kind of similar. It's like... You could yeah. try to, I don't think putting a really dreamy boy in your movie is going to like do what you think. Yeah. I was actually just about to say, it seems like he would be more of a gay awakening yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going to like get him with that, but. If- like, why would you put a bunch of women in a room? Like, why would you make him? It's like he's made of the female gays. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like Ken. The way that, like, his humor has aged is, like, it's very, like, I wish I had a good adjective for it, but it's, it's like Fedora Tumblr, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And it's so 2010. Yeah. Like, it's so 2010. Like, one thing that was driving me crazy is the way that they worked, they worked the word like into both of Rapunzel's solos. And I was like, I, Mm -hmm. I hate that. I hate it so much. I actually need to sound contemporary. I actually don't really mind that because I think in terms of contemporary musical theater songs, they did a really good job compared to so much shit that I've heard. You're right. Relatively, let's not, don't make us sing Heathers again. We will go there. But like, I think that it, it feels way more natural and tangled than it does in most things where they try to put modern words or colloquialisms or patterns of speech into the dialogue of characters that are like medieval. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't know how informally you can sing an (laughs) I want musical theater song. Yeah. It's pretty formal. That is one thing that I wrote down is like, oh, this is, this is an on task Disney princess movie. They're not fucking around. Okay. On task. It's on task within the first 10 yeah. minutes, you, you, you've you got your frame story. Then actually, Flynn Rider narrating that reminds me of Emperor's New Groove. Like that's very Emperor's New Groove. Him being like, Do oh, I wrote down the Cuscoism yeah. in there. Yeah, it's very yeah. that. And then like when Flynn Rider and the horse are like flying down the mountain, both connected to two ends of a, like a log. I was like, yeah. that's Emperor's New Groove yep. too. The I Want song goes off. I mean, I think. It's a great song. It's a good song. It's absolutely a great song. Very Cusco. I really hate. Okay, I feel like such a good example of like the tonal thing with this movie that annoys me though is, I know we were just saying this, but like the opening when he's like, this is the story of how I died. Yeah. Just kidding. And then just like starts doing the normal voiceover, but they like add in all of this stupid like, let me give you a hint. I know. It's so fun. It's like, please stop. And, and, oh, and like that, like, see, there's that woman. I told you she'd be important. Ew. It only works in Emperor's New Groove because he's supposed to be an asshole and you're supposed to perceive him as an asshole. So, like, it works. Yes. But now I'm just like, why are you smarmy at me? Like, go away. Like, I just, let me have my movie. And I feel the exact same way. Let me have my movie. Um... (laughs) And there's actually alternate versions of that opening where he isn't being smarmy. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. They should have gone. I think they should have gone with, you think this is just the narrator's voice in the beginning? Like, it's not smarmy. That's just what Shrek does. It's not characterized. Yeah, that's okay. I think that's a better move. I like that more than him being like, I I actually do have some glaring like plot hole type things. Oh, me too, but go ahead. Okay, so Rapunzel sticks 
him in the closet. She puts a chair up against the closet to hold it closed. Mother Gothel comes back, presumably sees that there is a chair up against the closet, and then she ends up leaving the next day to go get the paint. Why would she not notice that there is a chair up against the closet like she saw it? Why did she go get the paint? I guess she does care about Rapunzel then. I was kind of thinking that too, but it's still self-serving because Rapunzel says, okay, I get that I can't go see the lights. So can you, she's finding the mother Gothel's finding ways to appease her to like, how can I keep her at bay? So I can keep benefiting from her hair. It's not that I think she doesn't love her. It's just that it's a shallow love. It's like a, it's a self-serving love. So her going to go get the paint is just a way to appease Rapunzel to like try to make up for the fact that she can't leave the tower ever. No, heart. And like it wouldn't have changed anything. the, The story function is that she has to leave. Well, I know that that is yeah. why, that's really why she goes. But, like, I wish it was just, like, a little bit more uh, flesh out. I think— What is your next one? Maybe though? what it could have been is, like, there is an ulterior reason why she has to leave. Like, she tells Rapunzel that she's going to get the paint, but really it's that she's heard that um, maybe there's, like, a search party out to find the princess because— it is her 18th birthday yeah. and they're putting out like one last like we're going to find her thing. Yeah. And so it's like her plot to stop those guys. Like I feel like yeah, that yeah. could have worked. And it th- that could have worked really easily because she the, – the moment where she sees the horse – is a little bit confusing yeah. because it's like, why is she that close? So are we to assume that it's been three days and she's now back in the area? Like she's now back in the neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That was kind of odd to me. And her connection of seeing the horse and connecting that to Flynn Rider and then connecting that to Rapunzel, that's a Wait, lot. what are you talking about? Well, she sees the white, the white horse... <laughs> Max Maximus, the super cop. Yeah, she sees the horse and notices that it's looking for Flynn Rider. And in that moment, she literally says it out loud. She's like, Flynn Rider. Well, she goes, she goes, palace horse, and then Flynn Rider, and then goes, Rapunzel, and then books it out and runs back to the tower. She yells up to the tower, Rapunzel. She's not there. She starts freaking out. She goes into the tower. This is off screen at this point. She finds the crown and then she goes and meets the ruffians with the crown. Yes. Sorry. I'm with you. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's just kind of insane also that like she would play so fast and loose with Rapunzel. Like I I guess she does leave. Fast and loose. Like she she will (laughs) leave. Why would she think that Rapunzel, she, she thinks she's got Rapunzel so thoroughly gaslit to the point where she won't even try to leave ever? Like, that's just, you're really, well, ba- you're really banking on that. It's worked so far, I guess, though. Yeah. But still, it's kind of surprising. And also, like, why wouldn't Rapunzel just, like, if she knows her mom is leaving, just, I guess she thinks she can't get back up, though. <laughs> she thinks she can't get back up the tower if she goes down. <laughs> How did she get back up? There's like stairs, but How do they it's like ever it's get like up? hidden goes up when Rapunzel's not there, when she's not in the tower to bring her up via hair. <laughs> That's inhumane that she is the one woman pulley system for this entire yeah. thing. But I like really do it I don't know. I would love to slide down my hair the way she did. It looks fun. Okay, my next question. How, please riddle me this. How in the world would the most wanted criminal in all of the kingdom and the literal princess of the kingdom roll up into the town with no disguise? Yeah, I thought the same thing. That makes no sense. And everyone's just like so happy to see it. Everyone's just like, look at these two random people we don't know. Like they know who yeah. they're looking for. 
in both cases. Also, like her looking at the mosaic of herself like, and she looks literally exactly the same. Stupid? Because <laughs> because for some reason she's a baby with like a shoulder length golden hair. <laughs> with like a Megan wig. That's what I said. Um, I was like, why does she have a wig on? <laughs> Why does that baby have a full lace front on, yeah. like, at one month old? Yeah, I thought the same thing. It does explain the yeah, length of to her me. hair, though. Yeah, that is true. I think it grows on hyperspeed because of its exactly. magical properties. Exactly. And Because I was like, why would they give the baby a wig? And, not a wig, but, you know, like, long hair. And I was like, okay, it actually does <laughs> yeah. explain, like, the hair length. <laughs> Rapunzel's parents are day players on this motherfucking set. <laughs> Why? You are absolutely right. Don't they talk? I know they don't talk because they didn't, the, the filmmakers, the directors did not want us to feel too much about the parents. Like, I feel like they, did, they yeah. didn't want to distract us with the emotions of the parents. So instead, they animated the most sad looking king I have ever <laughs> seen in my life life i know it's so sad and then they don't say a word i'm like i, I buy it up until the you know like I, I can settle with it until the last time it's like why don't they just have them say one thing it's not like these are sag actors where you have to like pay them more when they talk yeah like just let them yeah. say oh, rapunzel like literally <laughs> That's it. Right. Just let them say something. Like, let Mandy Moore say Rapunzel and then pitch it down by like two semitones yeah. and just say it's the mom. Yes. Like, like it's, yeah. I found that to be really funny in the moment. You know what though? I kind of liked it. Really? Yeah, I kind of like it. Just because like in Disney movies, they normally are so cavalier with like unnecessary extra characters and shit that I appreciated that they were silent. I mean, it's personally. for some, it is definitely for simplicity and I'm not mad at that. I, I like yeah. choices that are made for like economy in the, yes. in the movie, but I think they should have said yes. one thing at the end. I think when they see yeah. her, they should be allowed to, to at least make a sound, even if it's not words. Like, should, yeah. It would, uh, like, that's kind of weird. I don't think you're asking for too much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're asking for too much by any means. Why would Flynn decide to cut her hair before she heals him? I have questions about this too because here's the thing that I don't understand. Okay, so so I guess the concept is that he's doing that because he doesn't want Rapunzel to have value. The, the burden. to. <laughs> Yeah, like the burden of the value. Yeah. But it doesn't fully make sense because he just could have waited. Yes. That are, okay, that whole last chunk doesn't make any sense because also, why would the hair getting cut immediately make Gothel like explode into a pile of dust? Because she's actually so old that she shouldn't even be alive. <laughs> well, right, but it doesn't make sense like... She still had the spell put on her recently. Yeah, but in in this logic, it's like if the magic doesn't even exist, then she can't be under the spell of it. You know what I mean? But the magic does exist because when she her cries or whatever, yeah, her tears will heal. Yeah, I feel like it was a pretty clunky and really fast explanation of yeah. too many things at once, and they don't. It doesn't yes. actually work. Like the the. Already doing the power of love thing with the tear is just like. It's such a cop It's out. like, why is that your end? Like, I I think there could have been like a less confusing way to end it. He could have been almost about to cut the hair. Like, I feel like the action of his intent could be still there, but he could still get healed mm -hmm. before dying. And we don't have to rely on the power of love via, via tears. Yes. Like, I think yes. we could still yeah. have him prove his devotion to her without him having to die because he was so selfless that he cut the thing that would heal him. Yeah, it's contrived. It's really contrived. Yeah, yeah. It feels like that was their and first idea and they went with the first idea because it's like the thing people do in these types of stories. yeah. So what Gothel, the deal Rapunzel makes is like, I will go with you calmly if you let me heal Flynn. The alternative being, 
I will struggle against you forever. Yeah. But either way, she's still imprisoned. So isn't she losing? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't actually make all that much sense to me. No, I actually, in the moment, I was trying to compare it mentally to a Phantom of the Opera choice. Yeah, yes. Because it's like Christine saying... I, if you let Raul go, I will stay with you. Like, I will torture myself because I love him so much. And that is yeah. the same. It's like the same idea. But it, it doesn't hit the same, really. <laughs> it all comes back to Phantom of the Opera, baby. Yeah. Because, oh my God, what yeah, if... What if it was fully the Phantom of the Opera thing and Mother Gothel was so touched that Rapunzel was willing to stay with her to sac- to like let Flynn go or to heal him or whatever, mm. that she was like, that's so cute. Um, You can go. <laughs> well, she could cut her hair instead. Yeah. Oh, that's that's even more powerful for for the, the yeah. for the captor to set her free via cutting her hair and that and then it becoming a self-sacrifice like Mother Gothel knows that she will die yeah. when she frees her daughter of this power. Yeah. That's way more powerful. And then, and then that would have made the whole shell thing make more sense because they would be like, oh, she does love her even though yeah. she's a shitty person. Yeah. And I think that's like a more like nuanced way to answer this, the the problem that this story presents. Because like mm-hmm. in terms of like abusive parents, I feel like kids... And that when they turn into adults, like, they feel really conflicted because you will love your parent, most likely. Like, no, even if you've got undergone abuse, like, you still love them. That I've heard that yeah. in people's stories before. And I think, I mean, that would have just solved the movie's problems. And Flynn yeah. would not have to be involved. Because, like, there is a good amount of emotional investment between Flynn and Rapunzel because like I what's that song I see the light or whatever like it's cute like it's cute or whatever but like the main emotional stakes are with Gothel and Rapunzel and that's the whole thing is in the original story that is what it's about it's a mother-daughter story with like a man at the end as a cherry on top yeah and it's like even though they tried so hard to make it a love story and like the, it's a love story like it's still the thing that is still the most interesting is always going to be the mother daughter yeah. dynamic he's just a rando there he's just this random man there who's saying like cringy ass one liners it's like yeah get him like he can be there but don't make him the crux of the the climax like the the yes. the crux of the i really believe in our idea i think we got to go back we got we that's really good. Like she's like, I don't know exactly how in the dialogue you get there, but like Oh my god, should we write a scene? Yeah, but like that be fun. Her deciding to cut the hair is like a huge and and it also solves the whole thing of like the inherent value of Rapunzel's like her value was wrapped up in her hair, even in terms of like being yeah. stolen. Yeah, the mom is like I actually did love you for more than what you, the value you gave to me. Yeah. That's fucked up. That is so sad. I mean, for that would be really confusing for <laughs> well, kids who like want to hate her. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is they would have to plant the seeds of yeah. her actually kind of having a soul like deeper in. Because maybe what it could have been too is like her, and this was kind of like how it is in Into the Woods, like her whole life has been alone. And so it's like codependent. Like yeah. she, her only family is Rapunzel. And so when she leaves, she genuinely does feel betrayed on an emotional level instead of just yeah. being like, oh, my source of youth has ran away. Yeah, and that, and that like, is what it is. I feel like in the fairy tale and, like, in Into the yeah. Woods, it is working. It's functioning on both levels, the, like, fairy tale level and also, like, the human yeah. emotion level. And the Tangled kind of evades that be for simplicity's sake. 
And I yeah. think that that is kind of missing the point of the fable as a whole. Like, yeah, they're going to show this like hardcore Munchausen by proxy vibe <laughs> and then be yeah. like, well, she fucking dies and gets pushed out a window. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, I just want to throw this in there. When she, it had never really stood out to me that she tells Rapunzel that she's getting chubby, but I was like, damn. Yeah. Just I mean, another. All the things that she was saying yeah. to her are like very pretty grounded and realistic in terms of yeah. like things that that sort of mother would say. Yeah, like an like an abusive mom like undermining her confidence in herself. Yeah. Meanwhile, totally. she's like <laughs> she's so c-wordy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the the moment where she emerges from the shadows and Flynn right like they oh, literally yeah. changed her face for that shot to make her like all yeah. like snatched beyond compare. snatched yeah I was like what the <laughs> like I was like why did they just change her entire face for this shot of her eyes get bigger the lashes get more pronounced like she's yeah. rosier I'm like this is this is crazy Okay, so I see the light. Beautiful song. Great moment. Right after when they, like, go to the shore and Flynn goes to give the crown back to the guys and she's sitting in the boat and he's like, I'll be right back. And she's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, that part is so sad. Especially because it happens so quickly after her mom is like, he's going to fuck you over once he gets the crown. That part really got me. Oh, but what, what and one side note about that. I really believe that they should be singing diegetically in the first verse as well. I know eventually yes, I they do sing it like traditional style, but I think it, sh it should be that way all the way through. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of weird to me yeah. that they didn't. It's like it a music video approach yes. that they kind of were doing with this movie. I get it. It was like a cool thing to try, but I just think I would have liked her singing it more I don't know yeah I'll also say that I think I see the light as a number is I hate to say this but it's like actual Disney magic though yeah like the visual of it all yeah it, it and so is the um like when they're dancing in the town square yeah like that is and it's like Disney I haven't felt well. that from Disney probably since Tangled like actually yeah. like it died yeah it, just something some quality that they used to be able to capture is just gone because of like Lin-Manuel Miranda and like just like awful corporate <sighs> shit and like streaming and just like all this <laughs> shit. <laughs> I love that your first line of offense was Lin-Manuel <laughs> Miranda. It's true. It's literally true. He forced a shift in Disney music. People still really like the movies. Like, they're made they for do. kids now that are younger. And, like, obviously, like, America's way more diverse now than it yeah. even was when we were kids. And so I think that it is valuable. But at the same, same time, like, I do agree in some ways. Yeah. Just, like, why can't we have, like, I think Moana is actually an exa a good example of having the balance. It's, like, he had yeah. his little quirky rap number with with, uh, with the, rock. the Rock drums. But then there's also like Where I'll Go or whatever it's called. Um, How Far I'll Go. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's like a classic I Want song. So like, I just think there's room. Like, you just need to have yeah. both though. And then the other stupid thing I'll say is when, when Mother Gothel's like, you want me to be the bad guy? Fine. Now I'm <laughs> the bad guy. I was just imagining like stupid nine-year-olds doing like Billie Eilish edits like <laughs> with that scene. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's just where my mind went. I couldn't, I can't help it. That's just uh, what I thought of. Is this movie worth re-watching? I would say absolutely yes. Yeah, I think it's worth re-watching. Um, it's, it's so crisp. It's a comfort movie. It's, Yeah. It's really crisp. Everything looks beautiful still, especially like to my to my uh, Breath of the Wild players out there. It's like that game, but a movie in the way that the nature looks really beautiful. All the greenery is really like dense. Uh, I love that for it. And it's just like a very sweet, fun movie. It's the kind of movie where like if you're babysitting and they want to watch this one, you're like, thank God, because it's actually good and entertaining. Yeah. And so to answer the question, is it actually good? I think yes. Like, mostly, yeah. But I think if yeah. our ending was there, it would be a lot better. 
it would be like an actual banger if we yeah, had written the other. I would just be yeah, so shocked by the nuance. I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. Maybe we should do our own adaptation. <laughs> and that's the ending. All right. You know what time well. it is. Yep, I do. <laughs> you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. We are like 30... 30- Three people away from a thousand subscribers, please. We're gonna make it happen. Please. We're gonna make it happen. Uh, you can follow me, Audrey, at Audrey Anna Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on Instagram and at Lana Von Trapp on Twitter. And as always, you can join us on our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcasts.com. You can check out our merch at twopinkproductions.com slash shop. We have a case to buy code 15 sleepover. And if you like the show, guys, you know what I'm going to ask. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Send an episode to a friend and send this episode to your local Disney story uh, writer and get us a job. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Bye. See you next week. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of Seven Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.